Hi, everyone, and welcome to the State of State Schools podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, Christian author, former homeschooler, and former public school teacher. Once a week, I'll give a quick recap of the most important headlines in education and pull back the curtain on what's really happening in our kids' schools. If you're a teacher, parent, or homeschool family, this podcast is for you. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 41. Here's what I'm talking about. The state of Tennessee is considering becoming the first state to reject federal funding for education. Restorative justice policies and one reason why they don't work. One public school taught its students that white people have no culture. And I'll be finishing with some updates on California legislation. Story number one, Tennessee could possibly become the first state to reject federal funding for education. I like this idea. I like the sound of that. This week, Tennessee House Speaker Cameron Sexton announced a new 10-person panel made up of eight Republicans and two Democrats that will look into whether or not rejecting federal funding is even feasible for the state. Speaker Sexton said, quote, anytime the federal government sends money, there are always strings attached to those dollars. And there's always a possibility that it opens the state up to other regulations or restrictions. This working group will help provide a clearer picture of how much autonomy Tennessee truly has in educating our students, end quote. And I agree. I've talked about how school choice funds will have strings attached because whenever money is filtered through government agencies and then dished back out, there are regulations and strings attached. That's why I'm erring on the side of caution when it comes to school choice or vouchers or educational savings accounts. Especially for homeschoolers, I would reject those public funds. Tennessee's lieutenant governor added that the state's excellent financial position makes it easier for the state to even have this discussion of possibly rejecting federal funds. Of course, not everyone agrees with this idea, You know, once you start accepting that government money, it's hard to say, you know, no, thank you and go without it. And government officials know that. Tennessee's Senator Akbari said the federal funds are crucial for students with special needs and for families with low income. So he's going to work to see that Tennessee keeps receiving the federal funds. So I'm excited to hear states talking about rejecting federal funds. I think this is a great idea. I think education should be as local as possible, starting with the family inside the home and then slowly moving outward from there. And the further out you go, the less control there should be. Unfortunately, our current education system seems to be working in the opposite direction, where the family seems to have little control and the state and federal governments get to call all the shots. They're dictating where your money goes. They're dictating what's taught and what information you even get to know about your own children. One problem with rejecting federal funding, however, is that taxpayers are still paying that tax money to state and to the state and federal government. So the government will just what, keep that money or give it to another state or maybe even another country altogether. What if those taxes were just removed entirely and we didn't have to pay those taxes? Then the people of Tennessee could keep that money in their pockets and 
do with it whatever they want. Perhaps they could even pay for the type of education that they wanted. And families that still needed financial support, they could go through the local church via Christian education scholarship programs. I've talked about this. That's, that's private money. This whole idea of sending money to the government so that they can swoosh it around and send back a portion to the states with those strings attached, that's silly. It's like money laundering. And the more funding that's being thrown at education, the worse our schools are doing. So just look at the test scores over time. More money, worse scores. Story number two, this is a tragic story about a 13-year-old boy in California who was bullied and beaten to death in school. In 2019, a middle school boy named Diego was bullied and assaulted by a classmate. Diego's family reported the incident to the assistant principal who assured the family that the classmate who assaulted Diego would be suspended. Well, it turns out that the boy was not suspended. He was allowed to stay in school because of instead of suspending students, the school used a quote unquote restorative justice policy as part of their commitment to equity. So that means the policy was based on the race of the students and not their actual behavior. Well, the very next week, Diego was attacked by that same classmate. The one who should have been suspended, but he wasn't because of equity. So I'll just read the details of the attack straight from this article in the Post Millennial. Quote, video of the incident shows one of the attackers punching Diego in the face while his hands are by his side. He was then hit in the back of the head, causing him to run into a concrete pillar, rendering him unconscious. The bullies hit him even more on the ground before running off. Diego was rushed to the hospital where he would eventually pass away from brain injury. His attackers were charged and pleaded guilty to manslaughter, served 47 days in juvenile custody, and were ordered to undergo anger management, end quote. So this is heartbreaking. It's tragic. It's also sickening, infuriating. Now, this happened four years ago, but it's back in the news now because the school district's superintendent was just fired after the school district recently settled a lawsuit with Diego's family for $27 million. So just to summarize, the kid who beat up Diego the week before he killed Diego, that kid should have been suspended because of his first assault. He should never have been in school the following week when he assaulted and eventually killed Diego. But because of the school's restorative justice policy, because of these racist policies where all we do is change standards based on someone's skin color, this 13-year-old boy was beaten to death in a public school. The superintendent said he was proud of their equity program and restorative justice policy, and that they, quote, made equity an ongoing focus for our district, end quote. So this is what equity gets you? Kids can murder a classmate, spend 47 days in juvie, and then take anger management classes? That's equity? What would have happened if the bully was suspended right away, like the assistant principal promised? 
That way, the kids would have been separated and everyone would still be alive. That sounds pretty good to me. That would have been restorative justice for Diego, right? Why is it that the bully is the one getting the justice and all the special treatment? Where was the care and justice for Diego after his first assault? Obviously, this happened in just one school, but fights, assaults, even rape and murder can happen in schools anywhere. And these equity policies and restorative justice policies are in schools across the country. What's to stop this from happening in your local school system? If you have these policies in your school, nothing is there to stop this from happening. And in my opinion, every adult willingly taking part in that policy is liable for what happens to these kids. Hopefully this $27 million settlement will send a message to schools across the country that these equity policies and restorative justice policies don't work. Story number three, choir students in a public school in California were told by their school's equity teacher that white people don't have a culture and that any culture they might have, they stole from another race or another culture. You might wonder, why is this being discussed in a choir class? What does this have to do with choir? Well, the school district justified the statement because the school just sponsored a trip to South Africa. So that's why the conversation was apropos. A parent of one of the choir students said these comments were, quote, demeaning to many students in the class. It not only created division and confusion between the students, but it was also incorrect information. It's apparent that there are things that are being taught to our children where the district or the school does not provide a necessary opt-in or opt-out form for parents. End quote. Boom. Exactly. This proves that students are being taught things and parents don't have the option of, you know, keeping their students in the class or removing their students. It's just being taught. But this is what you get from these equity teachers, equity officers, equity initiatives, equity policies. It always boils down to white people being the problem. That was the case for me when I was with Chicago Public Schools. The white man was, you know, the abuser. I mean, I just talked about the equity blunder that led to a 13-year-old boy being killed in school. Quote-unquote, equity is a focal point for nearly every public school in America right now. Diversity, equity, inclusion. So parents, teachers, look into your school's mission statement and your school's handbook. Look for diversity, equity, and inclusion and ask your administrators what these policies will actually look like when put into practice. Finally, we'll finish with some updates on California legislation. Governor Newsom in California recently signed a few bills into law concerning trans children. Here's what they will require. Senate Bill 407 gives the state the ability to exclude foster parents who refuse to affirm a child's gender identity. So, if a boy, a biological boy, a boy, says they're really a girl, then the adult foster parent must go along with that lie and that delusion, or the state will consider those adults to be unfit for parenting and will remove the child. Or they'll just not allow the adults to 
have foster children in the first place. That is now the law. Next, Assembly Bill 5 requires teachers to complete training that helps them identify students whose parents don't affirm their trans identity. So teachers are now being trained to profile parents. Why is this important? Well, it would further encourage teachers to possess intimate sexual details of a child and would also encourage teachers to have private conversations and private interactions with those students. All, of course, while completely removing the parents. So how exactly would teachers identify students who might say that they're quote unquote trans? Well, I previously discussed a similar story and wrote about it in my book, but there have been instances where public school teachers were trying to recruit students to join secret LGBTQ clubs in school. How did they do that? By eavesdropping on personal conversations between students, by accessing students' search histories on school computers, and by giving out secret invitations to secret meetings and secret locations to only select students. This type of behavior is what groomers do, and it's predatory. Next, Assembly Bill 1078-1078 was also signed by Governor Newsom, and it would allow the state education department to overrule local school districts when it comes to what books and curriculum are allowed in schools and the books and curriculum that are not allowed in schools. So that's bad news. Bad, bad news. How can the state do this, you might ask? Well, they already passed the Safe Place to Learn Act, which requires every school to have policies that, quote, prohibit discrimination and safeguard the right to an accurate and inclusive curriculum, end quote. That's what this law says. Schools must have a policy in place that, quote, unquote, prohibits discrimination and safeguards the right to an accurate and inclusive curriculum. So what does that mean? If parents don't want their school brainwashing their kids with gender ideology or critical race theory, parents want to exclude that, that would be considered discrimination under the state law. You can't do that. can't exclude it. So too bad for those Christians or the common sense people because you're just not being inclusive enough. Finally, on a positive note, Assembly Bill 957 was vetoed. Surprisingly, this bill would have required parents to affirm a trans child in custody battles. Otherwise, they could lose custody of their child. So this one is basically identical to Senate Bill 407, which was about the foster parents. The foster parent bill was passed. This child custody bill was not. So I wouldn't consider any of these issues to be resolved. I'd expect more lawsuits to follow and for this to be an ongoing battle for the foreseeable future. All right. That's all I have for you this week. That's the state of state schools. Take care.